So three questions that I want us to ask this morning. So the first one is, what is the assumption? Second, what's the big deal about it? Third, why is it so important that it interrupts our regular course of readings for our Sunday Masses? So what is the assumption? What's the big deal? And why is it so important that we have a special day that even interrupts Sunday for the day? So first, what is the assumption? I think this is an important question because I think in, in a lot of ways, we as Catholic Christians have lost maybe an understanding of what this day is, right? So imagine for a minute, someone walks up to you and says, you're Catholic, right? And you say, yeah, hopefully you say yes. And then they say, oh great, so you Catholics, like you guys celebrate the, resurre- or the, the assumption of Mary into heaven. Yeah, I think so. What is that? How do you answer? Now we're not gonna invite anyone to come up and try to explain it. That's not the point. The point is here that I think, if we're honest with ourselves, maybe even through no fault of really anyone, We've really lost an understanding of this day. So what is it? So the assumption is is this. So we know the story of Jesus, hopefully, right? So Jesus is conceived in the womb of Mary when Gabriel comes to visit. Uh, She gives birth to Jesus. Jesus grows up, becomes a man. He preaches for about three years and does his ministry. He preaches and he heals and he's teaching and driving out demons and all these amazing things. And then people kill him after three years on the cross. After three days in the tomb, he rises from the dead. After 40 days risen from the dead, he ascends into heaven. 10 days later, the the disciples are praying in the upper room and the Holy Spirit tells us in Acts chapter two that the Holy Spirit descends upon them and from there the church gets this new kind of energy that begins to move and do the same things that Jesus did to preach and to, te- to teach and to heal and to cast out demons and do all these amazing things. And Mary would have been a part of that in some way. So we teach that during that period of time, after a, a certain amount of time, it's not recorded in scripture when exactly she died, but during that period of time, at some point, Mary's time on earth came to an end. Now, there, there's, there's a sort of some freedom to to question, did Mary die in the same way that you and I will die, in the same way that the other disciples died? Or did she maybe fall asleep and it's like a deep kind of sleep that looks like death, but maybe isn't quite the same thing? That's, it's like a detail that's not super important, but just know that, you know, there are people who believe both of those things and it's totally fine. So the, the understanding is that the apostles were there with Mary when she was on her deathbed, except for one of them. Thomas, he tends to miss important events. (laughs) That's good, it tells me you're actually familiar with the resurrection, that's good. So Thomas missed out on this important event as one of the traditions goes. Uh, So Mary dies or she falls asleep, they put her in a tomb and then they just kind of, they're hanging out. Thomas comes three days later and he hears, they're filling him in, he hears about what happened and he says, "I, I wanna see her. I want to see her body, right? Imagine, right? So just like when one of your loved ones dies, it's a natural thing to say, I want to see. I want to see. Now, not everyone is like that, I understand, and that's okay. But we can at least understand where Thomas is coming from. He says, I want to see her. So they go to the tomb, and they open up the tomb, and her body is gone. 
And so from that point on, we as a church, right, so they, they must have been inspired by the Holy Spirit to see that God was doing something extraordinary with Mary, right? So we know that when a person dies, their soul leaves their body, right? We still see their body as it is, but their soul leaves their body to go hopefully to heaven, maybe not always to heaven, but we know that the soul leaves the body. Our teaching about the assumption of Mary is that when she died or fell into this deep sleep, that it wasn't just her soul that went up to God into heaven, but her body also. That Mary was assumed into heaven, body and soul. So that we have no physical evidence of her existing, actually other than what the apostles have written in the scriptures and what we have handed on, right? We know the story of Jesus. But there's no place for us to go and like pray at the grave of Mary. There's, there's nothing like that because she is in heaven, body and soul. This is what we teach as Catholic Christians. Okay, so that's what the assumption is. Now, what's the big deal about that? Like, why is that important? It's a big deal because it shows us what is to come of us, right? So we believe this as Christians, and this isn't just a Catholic Christian thing. This is a Christian thing. We believe that Jesus is going to come back to earth someday, and when he comes back, he's going to judge everybody. And in his judgment, those who are judged favorably will be with him forever in heaven and will be with him not just our souls, but actually our bodies will rise. That in heaven, in the end, those who are in heaven will have bodies, like perfected bodies, where there's, there's, there's no back pain, there's no broken arms, there's no paralysis, there's no cancer, there's no disease. We will all have bodies and they will be perfected bodies. So Mary's assumption into heaven, not just her soul, but her body, is showing for us what we have to come. In fact, we, we talk about it. So in a moment, when we pray the Eucharistic prayer, so before the Eucharistic prayer, before we all kneel down and the priest prays his prayer, there's this thing called the preface. So the preface is the part where the priest says, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. And then he prays this long prayer where you might tune out for a little bit. He prays this long prayer that's called the preface. Now listen to what I'm going to pray here in just a few minutes. For today, the Virgin Mother of God was assumed into heaven as the beginning and image of your church's coming to perfection and a sign of sure hope and comfort to your pilgrim people. This is a big deal, brothers and sisters, because in seeing the example of Mary, who we could say is like the first disciple of Jesus, maybe the prime example of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, we can see that in the example of Mary, God is showing us an image of what, what is to become of us who are faithful to Jesus. That is, it's meant to give us hope that there's actually another life after this one, and in that life, it's perfect. Right? It's meant to cause us to think differently about life, actually. To think about like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get to that place 
where there will be no more division, where there will be no more bodily illness, no more mental illness, no more separation among believers in Jesus. I can't wait to get to that place, right? That's what it's meant to be for us. So that's what makes it a big deal, actually, is it's meant to fill us with this great gift of hope for the life to come. Now, why is it a big deal, right? This is the last question, and this is a big question. Why is it a big deal? If you've been, if you've been coming to Mass the last few weeks, you know that we've been reading from John chapter 6 in our Gospel, going straight through John chapter 6. So you know that this week's Gospel passage is different. That's because this day, the Assumption, is such a big day that the Church actually gives us a completely different set of readings. Why? What's the big deal? The big deal, brothers and sisters, is that for you and for me, it's far too easy for us to forget about the life that is to come. It's far too easy for you and for me to just sort of lose sight of that, to get caught up with distractions here and now, to get caught up with the divisions, to get caught up with the bodily ailments or the mental ailments, to get caught up with things that don't actually point us toward heaven sometimes. Right, listen again to something I prayed in the, the opening prayer that, that every priest at every Mass this weekend is praying. It says, grant, Father, grant, God, that uh, we pray that always attentive to the things that are above, we may merit to be sharers of her glory. As I was preparing for this Mass and I was reading that prayer, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm not always attentive to the things that are above. So how in the world can I pray this prayer? And I know that, that all of you, unfortunately, are not always attentive to things that are above. This is why it's such a big deal, because sometimes, brothers and sisters, myself included, you and I, we need to be almost like shaken out of our complacency. And so the church mixes things up, hoping, trying, begging to catch our attention and to call our minds back to things that are above. I was, I was thinking about this. So the Beatitudes, you know, the part in, in Ma the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, blessed are those who, blessed are those who, right, the Beatitudes? One of my, fav my favorite Beatitudes is the one where Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Maybe a modern day way of saying this could be blessed are those who refuse to be satisfied by anything less than God. What does that mean? If I'm refusing to be satisfied by anything less than God, that means that there are things that are trying to capture my attention. There are things that are trying to pose as satisfaction for me. And if I have my mind set on things above, I'm going to be able to see those things for what they are, and I'm going to be able to say, no, I don't need that. Here's an example. So, it's kind of a silly example, but it's, it's a good example, I think. So imagine, imagine tonight you have plans to have the best steak dinner of your life. Right, imagine this, like a nice, thick, juicy steak. You've got like this great steak rub or this great marinade, and all day you know this steak is just preparing. And like, you can't wait to get home and to, to put the steak on the grill or to cook it however you're going to cook it, and like your mouth is watering just thinking about it. 
You're, you're saying to yourself, like, I'm not going to eat anything until I get this steak because it's going to be so good and I'm going to be so satisfied in the end. Right? So then you go about your day, you're kind of wandering around town, maybe visiting people, whatever. And then on your way home, you can feel the hunger pains that are coming, right? Because you're, you're, you've been so looking forward to this steak and you haven't eaten anything and you're just super excited about this steak. And then as you're driving home, your window is rolled down and you smell the vents coming from McDonald's. Right? It's like, ooh, man. Or you go into the grocery store and you can smell that rotisserie chicken just wafting throughout the building. What do you do? Right now, are you, are you gonna pull into the drive-thru at McDonald's and, and get a couple of cheeseburgers and some fries? You're saying to yourself, no, I've got this steak and I've been looking forward to it all day long. I can't wait for it. Right, because you know that if you get into the drive-thru, that you're going to taste something that's going to taste really good, but ultimately, it's not going to be anywhere near as good as that steak that you've had your eyes set on all day. Blessed are those who refuse to be satisfied by anything less than God. Brothers and sisters, this is the thing. I go into that drive-thru way too often, and so do you. There are too many of us who are, are willing, and like I said, I'm in this. Too often in my life, I'm willing to compromise and to look for satisfaction in places other than in the Lord. And so are you. Now, the good news about this day, right? The Lord shakes us, trying to shake us out of our complacency. He's trying to get us to remember the good steak dinner that only He can provide in the Mass and ultimately in Heaven. That good, delicious banquet where there will be delicious food that is unending. He's trying to get us to remember that in hopes that He can catch us before we go into the drive-thru or before we get into the window. And this is the good news, brothers and sisters, that wherever you are, it's never too late to turn. If you find yourself in the drive-thru right now, finding that you're regularly seeking satisfaction in other things, it's not too late to turn around, to get back on the path toward that delicious steak, that delicious banquet of God. Even if you find yourself actually with the bag of food in your car. It's not too late to roll down the window, throw it out. Even if, brothers and sisters, you find that you've actually already tasted and you're enjoying and you're full of the garbage of McDonald's, somehow it's not too late to ask the Lord Jesus to find a way to make room in your stomach so that you can begin to hunger again for the banquet that only He can provide. It's not too late. We celebrate this day, brothers and sisters, in hopes that the Lord somehow, by this miraculous event that He did through the Blessed Virgin Mary, somehow He can capture my attention and yours as though calling to us, begging us, don't let yourself be satisfied, but instead keep your eyes fixed on the banquet of heaven. Let's allow him to capture our attention and to beg him for the courage to set aside those things that are distracting to us.
so that we can develop a deep hunger and longing for the perfect life that is ours, that is to come.